Share the warmth. You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about, well, caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Last week, remember how cold it was and gloomy? Oh, yeah, I remember well. And then at the beginning of the show, I played this song, which is playing in the background now. This is the Lakota Sunrise Ritual. And as soon as the show was over, the sun came out that day. It was still cold. (laughs) Yep, still cold, but sunny. So I think I might play a little bit of this every time it's not, well, sunny. Uh We got some sun now, but maybe it'll help warm things up a bit. So that's what's playing in the background, the sunrise ritual. I've actually been at one sunrise ritual that had about 500 people. All going, sun. sun. <laughs> well, sun's pretty heavy. It takes a lot of people to lift it up, you know. Rise, rise. So happenings. Happenings. Some trails within the Shawnee National Forest closed to equestrian traffic. Basically, designated trails within the Garden of the Gods, Bay Creek, and Lust Creek Wilderness areas within the Shawnee National Forest. We're closed to equestrian traffic for the winter beginning April 1st. The trails will reopen. I said April 1st. December 1st. They will reopen April 1st. Yes. The forest also closes dirt and gravel roads within the forest to motorized vehicles from December 4th through May 11th. The question trails are most vulnerable to impact during the winter. Each year, the determination to close the trails will be made based on project accomplishments. I guess that's how well they fix the trails up. So, just to let you know, trails are closed to equestrian. Well, some are. So, other happenings? Yes, other happenings we have coming up. Let's see, where did this one go? Ah, here we go. (laughs) The SIU School of Art and Design's bookmaking class will exhibit their work December 8th. Wow, wow, that's today, isn't it? It is. December 8th through December 16th at Rosetta Stone Bookstore with an opening reception uh, Friday. That's today. (laughs) You keep being surprised. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, I I actually read about this on the Big Muddy IMC website earlier, so now it's finally upon us. So the opening is tonight at 6 p.m. The reception is free and open to the public. And that's at uh, 214 West Freeman Street. And the class worked with several binding and construction techniques, including accordion folds, pamphlet stitches, Japanese bindings, Coptic stitches, interactive books, altered books, and book boxes. Each book in the exhibit was made by hand and most experimental with the form of traditional books. Breaking the binds of traditional books, as it were. <laughs> I actually know someone who's in that class, so I'm going to get to check out their work. <laughs> well, it, it really amazes me, um, the ability to make, well, paper by hand and then, you know, essentially sew it and hook it together into a book. Yeah. It, I mean, that's how books were made for, well, ever. Yeah. And then... Um, then the machines came and started making them, but humans can still make them, too. Well... People, I have seen handmade books, and because it takes more work, you know, you have to spend a little more money. But they are, well, one of a kind, because uh-huh. each one is made by hand, and each one, therefore, 
It's different. Yeah, they are unique. <laughs> what? Unique. <laughs> oh. Unique. Okay. Unique. <laughs> doctor, doctor. How does that go? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a. <laughs> a new prescription for health care reform takes off. Disillusioned by recent developments in the state's largest health care reform lobby, the Campaign for Better Health, Rich Whitney is helping to launch a brand new organization. The Carbondale civil rights attorney and 2006 Illinois Green Party gubernatorial candidate is organizing the first Southern Illinois meeting of the Illinois Single Payer Coalition, uh, Wednesday, December 13th at 7 p.m. at the Carbondale Township Hall. I'm certainly not alone, says Whitney, of disgust for the campaign for better health care. Physicians for a national he- health program is similar angry with them for what transpired. Transpired. If you want to know more about this, there is a very detailed um, full-page article in today's nightlife, or this week's nightlife. So, other happenings? Other happenings? Well, it's winter. <laughs> um, also, electricity was out for large swaths of South Carbondale, Pomona, and Macanda for about an hour and a half last night. Ah, okay. And it was very scary because it was the coldest night on record. It was 16 degrees last night. Yeah, it was very cold. I walked home at about midnight or so. <laughs> and actually, um, my parents had their power out for at least as far as I was aware, four hours. They still hadn't got their power back on. Yeah. Now my house is half solar and half regular electric. So my regular electric went out and my actual office is on regular electric. But to like, you know, run my computer, I ran extension cord from my solar system in my living room to my office to be able to get on the computer to, well, collect all the news for this to email it to you. Yeah. To um I was going to print it, but um Yeah, and you told me I you're... have a wood stove and the blower on the wood stove is electric. Yeah. And so uh... <laughs> it started getting cold. And um the printer started acting up cuz you know, it can't handle like 50 degrees or below. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it started it got around 50 degrees in my house, so huh. But yeah, and you told me in your email, I'm running on solar power now. <laughs> so yeah. my my mom must be psychic though. She called me uh, yesterday during the afternoon and said, you know, has the power gone out in Carbondale? <laughs> I said, well, no, actually not, not, not here. It's gone out in other places, but I've been fine. Well, the scary thing yeah. is, is I called the electric company on my parents' behalf because their phone is only plug-in. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna get them one that everybody. I recommend mm-hmm. having a phone. That does not require regular electric power. Yeah. Just, I mean, they're cheap. They're like $10. Um, I called the electric company, and their message said, Yes, we know the power is out in areas of Carbondale, Macanda, and Pomona. Um, We do not know when it will be back on. (laughs) I was just like, oh, that was was the recorded message. Yeah. And (laughs) that was scary. So... Should we get to the news? Yes, to the news. Uh, big happening is that the power went out, but it's back on. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is an editorial. I think this was put out. Where is it? 
Um, I get this newsletter called Raw. It's from um, people who write it for the Sierra Club. And this was an editorial. In the McCarthyite 1950s, those Americans who had opposed Spanish dictator Francisco Franco in the late 30s were criticized as premature anti-fascists. Now we have premature anti-global warmers. <laughs> like the Reverend Joel C. Hunter, the incoming president of the Christian Coalition who had to step down last week because of his heretical notion. Is that how you pronounce that? That the evangelical movement might address global warming and poverty in addition to its traditional concerns like abortion and same-sex marriage. Hunter had been a signatory, along with Carl Pope, Ted Turner, Keanu Reeves, and Alanis Morissette of last October's National Call to Action on Global Warming, which, quote, called on our country to take immediate action to address climate change, end quote. The petition was tied to the film The Great Warming, which had shown in hundreds of churches across the country. In it, the Reverend Richard Sizek, Vice President of the National Association of Evangelicals declares that, quote, environmental degradation is an offense against God, end quote. The board of the Christian Coalition isn't so sure, however, that the end of life as we know it, there we go, the end of life as we know it. I feel fine. <laughs> now I lost my place. As we know it is not as much of a problem as, well, same-sex marriage. Hunter told the New York Times... They said, this just isn't for us. It won't speak to our base, so we just can't go there. Oh, yeah? Tell that to the 86 evangelical leaders who backed an initiative this spring to fight global warming by supporting federal legislation to reduce CO2 levels. Among them was Richard, was Rick Warren, founder of the Southern California's enormous Saddleback Church and author of The Purpose Driven Life, Well, which ha just happens to be the best-selling book in American history. That's not possible. The Bible sells better. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought that was best-selling book. Well, I this Bible we'll has to sell better than you know <laughs> some guy's book. Yeah. So, some 157,000 church leaders subscribe to his weekly newsletter. Warren, like Hunter, is casting his lot on a 21st century Christian evangelicalism, less worried about sex and more concerned with, as Hunter put it, quote, living what Jesus would do which presumably includes hanging up the keys to the Hummer. So that's an editorial. A little harsh, but true. <laughs> yep. So let's see. In other news, actually, you know, I even though it's often sad news, I like reading the news about global warming, climate change, just because it's such an important issue. <laughs> it's an important issue, but it's also like edgy-your-seat excitement. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean... If we don't do something about it and if we don't talk about it, well, yeah, things are going to happen crazy, and they are. So Yeah. I, You know, I make jokes about, oh, I'm going to grow avocados in southern Illinois now, but it's not actually going to be that fun. <laughs> well, here in southern Illinois, it'll be okay, supposedly. It'll be really hot. Yeah, really hot. My, the floodplains might be flooded by the Mississippi. Oh, yeah, I didn't. You have to keep mentioning that to me because I keep forgetting. Yeah. I live right next to the Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, more global warming news. The good phyto. Like the good fight, I guess. The good phyto. Global warming affects oceans, tiny plants, which could affect global warming. 
Proving that big things do come in small packages, researchers say that global warming could hobble the teeniest marine organisms, phytoplankton, which could in turn lead to more warming. While these wee little plants not only make a tasty sea snack, they also provide a vital piece of climate change resistance by absorbing carbon dioxide, more than 100 million metric tons a day, accounting for about half of the photosynthesis occurring on the entire planet. But a decade worth of satellite data analyzed by a team from Oregon State University shows that the plant's productivity slows when sea temperatures rise. The data, said lead author Michael Berenfeld, quote, clearly, clearly showed that overall ocean productivity decreases when the climate warms. Besides worrying about the food chain, researchers fear a vicious climate cycle. Warming leads to less carbon sucking, which leads to more carbon in the air, which leads to more warming, which leads to less carbon sucking. <laughs> I didn't follow that, but go for it. Yeah. Oh, phytoplankton, we hardly knew thee. <laughs> uh, straight to the source, uh, Yahoo News, The Guardian, and The Independent, 7th of December, 2006. So as it gets hotter, there's less plankton, and as there's less plankton taking carbon out of the air, it gets hotter. <laughs> That's kind of unfortunate. All right, now the bad news. Plum crazy. The U.S. Environmental Environmental Protection Agency, or otherwise known as the EPA, considers delisting lead as an air pollutant. <laughs> that sound you hear is the jaws dropping everywhere in response to the U.S. EPA's announcement that it might stop regulating lead as an air pollutant, citing the fact that concentrations of the heavy Toxic heavy metal in the air have dropped 90% since 1980, and using logic we can only assume was supplied by EPA Administrator Stephen Johnson's six-year-old granddaughter. The agency says lifting the national standard may be justified, giving the significant change circumstances since lead was listed as an air pollutant in 1976. In other words, listing it works so well, we might as well, well, delist it. Representative Henry Waxman, Democrat of California, who's set to take over the House Committee on Government Reform, told Johnson, quote, This deregulatory effort cannot be defended and urged the agency to renounce this dangerous proposal immediately. I could have sworn they were the Environmental Protection Agency. Okay. Mm. Meanwhile, the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission is recommending that lead be banned from children's jewelry because lead is poisonous. Lead's poisonous? What? Now close your mouth. Straight to the source, San Francisco Chronicle Associated Press, Scientific America, Reuters, the 6th of December, and the Washington Post, the 7th of December, 2006. When did lead become poisonous? I've been sprinkling it out on my cereal in the morning. Now we know it's your problem. <laughs> so let's see. In other news, there will always be an England in Brazil. What? This is a good news. Yeah, this is good news. That's why I picked it. Vast new rainforest reserve unveiled in the Brazilian Amazon. The Brazilian Amazon will soon be home to the world's largest tropical rainforest reserve in news that's making conservationists beam and making us feel better about all those pints of Ben and Jerry's Rainforest Crunch we ate to help the cause. The vast tract of land, which at 63,320 square miles... Square miles? Yes, square miles. Wow. That's big. As big as England. Yes, it's larger than England. 
and it joins a corridor of protected land in neighboring nations, combining an area of total conservation with one that allows strictly regulated logging and farming. Brazil's addition will continue to provide a home. Excuse me a second. Mm-hmm. How is protecting the the rainforest, <laughs> but allowing farming and logging work? Yeah, that's. I'd like to see the details of that plan. <laughs> okay, go. Sorry. Take take some of the fun out of the news, but so there apparently there's an area of total conservation, and there's also one that allows some very regulated logging. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Brazil's addition will also continue to provide a home for indigenous people as well as endangered species like the northern bearded sake monkey. Sake monkey? Yes. You said sake monkey. Sake monkey. Can we get one, please? We'll walk it and feed it and everything. <laughs> I'll have to look up on the internet what a sake monkey looks like. That's not like a sock monkey. Uh, well, you never know. It's endangered, though. Sock endangered. monkeys are not endangered. No, those are plentiful. <laughs> plentiful and stinky. No. <laughs> The goal of this is to encourage sustainable growth, says Simeo Jetene, governor of the state of Para, where the reserve will lie. Quote, this announcement allows a change in the perspective of those who look at Para and the Amazon as either a storehouse or a sanctuary, said Jetene. Quote, we are none of these things. Straight to the source, The Independent, BBC News, 4th of December, 2006. In That's other news, in other good news, Bravo, Victoria's Secret, <laughs> pledges to end use of endangered forest paper in catalogs. The parent company of sexed-up retailer Victoria's Secret announced yesterday that it would nip a bad trend in the bud, sourcing its catalog paper from endangered forests, succumbing to two years, two years, of pestering from forest ethics and other green groups, U.S.-based limited brands agreed to stop supplying Stop supporting suppliers who log in at-risk boreal forests and rainforests in Alberta and British Columbia unless the paper is Forest Stewardship Council certified. To fill the void, the company will aim to use at least 10% post-consumer recycled waste in the more than 360 million soft pornologs Victoria's (laughs) Secrets sends out yearly. You want me to read that again? Sure. (laughs) 360 million soft pornologs Victoria's Secret sends out yearly. That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Limited Brands has set a new standard, one that we expect other major catalog companies to meet or exceed, said Todd Pagilia, Forest Ethics Executive Director. Did anyone ask the trees whether they prefer storing carbon to hobnobbing with nearly nude models? (laughs) You know, would they rather be a tree or a catalog with <laughs> naked people on it? We don't think so. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Straight to the no source. Globe and Mail, Reuters, CBC News, Edmonton Sun, Canadian Press, the 6th of December, 2006. <laughs> yep. So now next time you're hanging out reading a Victoria's Secret catalog, you can say, oh, I'm reading it for the environmental news. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't say anything about environmental news. No. Okay. It, I'm sure it probably says in there somewhere, though, we have a green catalog now, so therefore you should buy our stuff. There you go. But 360 million, there's only like 300 million people in the whole United States, aren't there? Like, do they distribute it internationally? I, I don't even know. I don't, <laughs> I don't even want to know. Well, they probably send out five a year. I mean. Yeah. That's a lot of trees getting disappeared. But anyway, let's see. In other news... Kick it into underdrive. 
Americans driving less, SUV fervor cooling. We're having a lot of good news this week. Yeah, this is good news. Who would have thunk it? For the first time in 25 years, Americans are driving less. I'm contributing to that. (laughs) A study by Cambridge Energy Research Associates finds that the average American drove 13,657 miles in 2005. That's down from 13,711 in 2004. So that's, let's see, that's a whopping 54 miles less. What? (laughs) We'll take it. (laughs) May not seem a lot relative to the total, but 54 miles, that's a lot. Last year also saw SUVs comprise a smaller chunk of new vehicle sales. Even though gas guzzlers still account for more than half of such sales, quote, the passion has cooled. The passion has cooled. Yes. Oh, why has the passion left the SUVs? <laughs> Data on the actual gas being guzzled was good and bad. While consumption continues to rise, demand grew at a rate of only 0.3% last year and 1% for the first 11 months of 2006, compared to 1.6% per year from 1990 to 2004. High prices were a critical factor in this change to stubborn yank behavior. (laughs) Gas sucks up about 3.8% of the average household spending. The graying of the population has also contributed, as older drivers tend to drive less, at least until Dennis Hopper gets a hold of them. I don't get it. Uh, I don't either. Someone's going to have to call us Dennis Hopper, what movie would that be? (laughs) I don't know. Straight to the source, Market Watch, CNN, Reuters... 30th of November, 2006. And that reminds me, I've been looking into, I just sent out an email about who killed the electric car. We're still trying to get that shown here in uh, Carbondale. Well, I, it's available on DVD. We might just have to rent it and have a house party. Yep. <laughs> They're actually doing that with um, The Inconvenient Truth. I understand not this Saturday, but next <clears throat> Saturday, nationwide. House party. The, you can you know, buy the movie and then have a house party. And, well, for more information, go to algor.com and sign up your house party <laughs> to say you're showing the inconvenient truth. <laughs> or the only, the closest, I looked up, the closest one around here is actually in Nashville, Illinois. Huh. Nobody in Carbondale has stepped forward yet. Yeah, oh, well, you've still got time, so now is your chance to have an, have an inconvenient <laughs> truth house party. Yes. Woo, woo. <laughs> you will become a local celebrity. <laughs> or you can stay anonymous if you want to. Do not giggle. Livestock sector spews a fifth of human-caused greenhouse gas emissions. Another reason to go vegetarian. The UN has issued fresh content on a vital cause of global warming. Cow farts. It seems that 18% of human-caused greenhouse gases stem from farm animals and the livestock industry, according to the UN Food and Agriculture Organization. Besides Poots. Is that a. Never heard of them called that before. Besides poots, agriculture related deforestation and energy use contribute to the total. With all the carbon equivalent math is said and done, livestock produce more of the humans, the world's human caused greenhouse gas emissions than cars, says the UN. About 9% of carbon dioxide, up to 40% of, well, methane, and nearly two thirds of nitrous. Oxide. There you go. For all those people who get high on nitric oxide, just stick your head 
If those numbers don't move you, consider that global meat and milk production is projected to roughly double by mid-century. To address livestock's effect on global warming, not to mention water pollution and biodiversity, the report proposes using manure as food, increasing irrigation efficiency, improving land use, and changing animals' diets to reduce flatulence. Which does not make us grin. No flatulence? Get yeah. <laughs> Straight to the source, Planet Arc Reuters, the Hindi, the Hindu Press Trust of India, November 30th, and Yahoo News, Augustine French Press, the 29th of November 2006. Yeah, yeah, part of the flatulence does come from the fact that they're not feeding them their actual diets. <laughs> and also, I like how it mentioned in the article, too, that it's not just meat production, but milk production as well that contributes to the problem. Well, one solution, though, is if they're producing more than emissions than cars, you can just ride the cows around and <laughs> replace your cars. <laughs> At least for local transportation. Yeah. We'll they, have to look into that. Oxen. They used to do oxen. Yeah. It's like, um, I just don't understand why soy products are more expensive than meat products when you have to feed the soy to the cow <laughs> to make the meat. I'll bet it has something to do with subsidies. Or, yeah, or supply and demand. All right, any other ones? We're down to the newswire. Down to the wire. Maybe we can read a couple of headlines before disappearing. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Where are the headlines we haven't read already? Friends in flow places. The U.S. interior lets oil industry royalties slip away. So oil industry royalties are slipping away and not going to any productive use. <laughs> The companies get to keep them. <laughs> in sickness and in wealth, Bush administration apparently tried to limit payments to ailing nuclear workers. You know you're in trouble when America's bubblegum newspaper nails you, according to a memo obtained by USA Today. <laughs> That's not what I consider, like, breaking news paper. <laughs> but Not really, but, but hey. <laughs> well, let's see. Then also, Prince Charles costs the earth. <laughs> The Prince of Wales has launched a new green project, Costing the Earth, Accounting for Sustainability. So the But in, in this article it's pretty funny. He wants he tells all his workers to start riding bicycles. Uh -huh. But he said and he says he'll use his uh, biofuels in his Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it doesn't say, you know, he'll try to do anything yeah. else, but he'll so. still drive as much, he'll just use biofuels. Because <laughs> um where I read this was um you could comment on it. Yeah. And literally all the comments were blasting him for <laughs> telling <laughs> so, his workers what to do. <laughs> yeah, that makes it more amusing. <laughs> all right. You have listened to another exciting and hopefully informative half hour of your community spirit. And I want to remind you that although it's cold, it is sunny, and that causes your blood to circulate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. Get warm. <laughs>